0: Word of God. Open your Bibles, if you want to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Excuse the voice, I'll not be preaching long tonight, but uh, the Lord willing, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 5. And let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. And then I want to read one verse in the book of Romans. Let's read several verses in chapter 8 and get to context. Moreover, brethren, we do you wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That word grace is money, money. The grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia how that in great trial of affliction and abundance of the joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, self, circle the words, themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift that can take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, circle the phrase, gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us, by the will of God, insomuch that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion, for the fraudness of your others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and that ye through his poverty might be made rich. And then, in the book of Romans, chapter six, let's turn back there just a second, and verse three, verse thirteen, rather, verse thirteen. You'll find the word yield several times in Romans, especially six and seven through there. He says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, circle the phrase, yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness as unto God. May God add His blessings to the reading of the Word of God. Father, may You bless the rest of the service. You've already blessed the first part. you bless the singing. Lord, what a blessing it was to hear the choir, adult choir, hear the youth choir singing, getting ready to use the ability for the cause of Christ. And Father, we pray for the congregational singing. Thank you for it and those who participated. Thank you, Father, we can come together in the name of the Lord on this evening just to center our attention around the Word of God. And Father, we pray that you'll help us as we preach. Help me as a dying man realize I am, that I am preaching to dying men, women, boys and girls. All of us are going to finish our course from one day down the road. It may be sooner than later. It may be later than sooner. But one day, according to the calendar of God, we're all going to die. Help us to live faithfully. And Lord, if not death, the rapture will catch us away. And neither way we win. And we're glad for the blessings of the Lord upon our lives. So bless now the message for just a few moments. I need your help. I yield myself to you the best way I know how. Take charge. And I'll give you the credit. I'll give you the glory. Lord, it all it belongs to you, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. A man went to the ticket agency, and he said, "I want you to give me a ticket for Virginia." And the man said, "Which part?" He said, "All of her. That's my little daughter over there, and I want to get a ticket for her. Not going to the state of Virginia." I want to have a ticket that covers all of her, getting there completely. And I read that several years ago, and I thought, well, the Lord wants all of us. He don't want part of us. I mentioned the word self three times in the context of which I read it. The Bible says, renewing yourself, dedicating yourself, following Him. Take up your cross daily and follow Him. What the Lord wants is you, and what the Lord wants is me. We sing the song, and I have it in front of me. Just a few words of it. I love to read poetry. I love to read songs. Just read them as well as sing them. I wish I could sing, but I'm glad I can have them before me to read from time to time. And in the privacy of the hour, sometimes it's just good to sing them. Somebody says, well, preacher, you're not on tune. Just remember when you're singing privately under the Lord, uh, God can make it on tune. He can take a song off tune make a tune. As it comes up before Him in holy praise, He's always pleased with it. Oh. To Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I surrender all. This is a we sermon tonight. I mean by that, I need to surrender everything I have to God. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. Sometimes the Lord gives you blessing every blessing. Sometimes He takes blessings away. And what we think is a tragedy turns out down the road to be a blessing. God doesn't operate the same way we operate. He gravitates toward our weakness to make us strong. We sometimes want to be strong in ourselves and our ability. I stand before you tonight with no ability. I stand before you tonight with nothing apart from what God has given me, his divine grace. Over these years in being in the ministry, I've traveled many miles. I've seen many things, and I've preached a lot of places. I've preached in countries of the world, had the privilege of doing that, not because of who I am, just because the Lord opened the door. And in those avenues, I've preached that, been scared to death, in a lot of places just nervous, strange environments, strange people, and so forth. But God has always been there. There's been a prayer I have prayed for many, many times in my life. Sometimes it's from the seat to the pulpit or the place where I'm preaching. Lord, I need you again. Out behind an old country church outside of Beckley, West Virginia, uh, there is an old church still there that we used to attend when we were kids. When I started preaching at the age of 18, I'd go to that old church. It's sort of covered back in the woods. You couldn't see it very well. I pull my car up to an old tree, and in that car, I begin to read the scriptures. Then I get outside the car i kneel beside the old tree and say, Lord, I need your help, as I begin to be a preacher. Oh, how humbling it was to me that God would see fit to call me into the ministry. Scared to death, you've heard me many times talk about it, shy and backward. And yet the Lord could take a little hillbilly boy and fill him with the Holy Ghost of God and use him to some degree. I'm amazed tonight, not because I've done anything successful, i just being able to be a part of the great program of God. I'm, God loves, I'm glad God loves me. I'm glad God loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know. How do you know? The Bible tells me so. He loves me when I'm good, Brian. He loves me when I'm bad. Those years you was out of the will of God. God loved you just as much as He loved you when you first got saved. I'm glad God loves us every day of our life. Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're down. Sometimes we're discouraged. Sometimes we're encouraged. Sometimes we're feeling good. Sometimes we're feeling bad. Sometimes sickness hits our body, and you wonder, Lord, what you're going to be able to do next with this old vessel of clay. God can use it as very end, end, end result. It could be completely wore out and God can still use it. He can use a man's hands when he can't use his voice. He can use a man's eyes when he couldn't use some other part of his body. God can take every bit of the part of the body and we only yield the whole body to the Lord. He needs my hands. He needs my feet. He needs my eyes. He needs my ears. All of that. And sometimes we feel maybe we're inadequate when we are, but he is always all sufficient. And I'm grateful for that tonight. I just want to talk about denying self for a few minutes. The Lord wants yourself. The Lord wants yourself. Would you say that with me, please? The Lord wants yourself. He wants us to be God-centered and not man-centered or not self-centered. It's not about you. It's not about me. How many times we've said that. When you get up here and if you do it for show, you've already missed it. If you do it to try to look at me, I'm talented, you've already missed it. God's got angels saying better than you and he can take a little child, maybe off tune, to be more of a blessing than some of us who are on tune who haven't given their self to God. We're just selfish. Look at me, what I've done. And then we go to boast about our abilities. You have no ability apart from God, none at all. Neither do I. I could not bend over and put on my shoes today it not for God's help. I had to quit wearing laces. I don't wear many lace shoes now. I got some. But when you're sort of not fat, it's is hefty. Sometimes you've got to have a little help, and so just have slip-on shoes. I'm liking those kind where the heel just goes right down, and you don't have to you just push it right on your foot, and if it's on, it fits like a glove, and praise the Lord for that. But I couldn't do that today without the Lord's help. I sat down in the chair and put on my socks and put on my shoes this morning after I got my pants and my shirt on and my tie. I throw my tie around my neck so sort of just hang me for a while. I just, I just throw it around my neck and wear it. For the, I don't put it on at the last minute. But uh, usually that's the last thing I put on is my tie. Uh, when I look in the mirror and say, you're a good-looking guy, I'm going to put a tie on you now. And then I realize I'm not good-looking. Then I realize I am what I am with the grace of God. God made me like I am, so I've got to accept that reality. But all I'm saying is God wants to use yourself, wants to use myself. You must find a new direction in your life. You see, there's got to be a direction for your life. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm accomplishing. It's not about my service to God, even though He wants to use it. When all is said and done, everything, everything is to be done for the honor and the glory of our great God. And we don't want to be selfish about it. That's the reason why you won't get your feelings hurt very often if you're doing it for God. If somebody don't like what you do or somebody do not agree with you, you just learn how to not get hurt by feelings of people. It can kill you. You've got to be very, very careful. The Lord wants yourself to die. They asked Charles Lindbergh, he made a historical flight across the Atlantic, what was the most crucial point in your 3,600-mile trip? And Charles Lindbergh, the famous pilot, said, it's the takeoff. That's the most important part of any trip in a plane. And uh, he answered, most crucial part in following the Lord Jesus is the beginning. If you get off to a good start, I heard this statistic several years ago. I don't know how true it is. If you don't get involved in the first seven, five, seven years, you will never get involved in the work of the Lord. I don't know how true that is. I'm just taking something that I heard from a preacher preaching some statistic that you really you'll find yourself wanting to get involved early in the in your life. You got saved. You want something to do, and you begin passing out tracts. I appreciate Roy coming by the office. Had some tracts. He said, "Preacher, we'll pass all these out, and so somebody can go to heaven when they die." Well, that's great. And I said, "Roy, you better be sure you pass them out, because if I see them laying around somewhere, I'm gonna charge you a penny apiece piece for them." <laughs> but I'm glad for somebody passing out tracts. You can't do everything, but you can do something. And Roy's sort of like myself, a little on the disability side. As far as mobility, he can't do everything he'd like to do. But I'm glad he wants to do that, aren't you? And you say, well, that's not a whole lot. It's more than some of you are doing. And all of us ought to be involved somewhat in ourself giving ourselves to God. Lord, here's my life. Let it be completely consecrated to Thee. The beginning, it's your decision. Nobody can make it for you. And when you make that decision, you must find a new dynamo. And I use the word dynamo as it relates to power. Here's what the Bible says, John 1:12, But as many as received him to them gave he power or the authority to become the sons of God. And uh, I'm glad that God has given us that authority. God has given us a new power. When you got saved, I didn't realize this for a number of years and still, uh, you know, I'm 77. I'm learning more truths now than I ever learned before in my life. And I learned this later on. There's two or three things I learned in midlife. Probably I was preaching 30, 40 years before I really, especially 30 years before it really dawned on me, God loved me. I mean, He really loves me. He loves me. God loves me. And while I was without help and hope, God loved me. And in due season, God loves all of us according to His divine will. But to know that God loves me, He just loves me. I mean, I think that's a tremendous thought to know. John 3.16 became more real when you identify and you personalize the real God of heaven, the creator and the sustainer of life, the one who sent his only begotten son to pay the price on the cross of Calvary and bankrupted heaven. He could torn up the, the golden streets and the walls of Jasper and the sea of glass. He could take in all the rubies and diamonds of every place that bedecks the great city of God. He could brought angels down to pay the price, but he didn't. He gave the very best heaven had. God cared enough. God loved enough to bankrupt heaven to give His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to bleed and die on the cross of Calvary. And I'm glad that He did. And He gave us that power when we got saved. He comes on the inside to enable us to work from the inside out to have a new dynamo, a new power that we didn't have before. We must find now where He wants us to use that power at. What domain are we going to serve God in? And we find ourselves living this way. First step There's a new direction. It's yours. My direction. It's my, I made a step forward to God. I got saved, yielded myself to God as an 18-year-old boy in Louisiana, Kentucky, and yielded myself to God. I never will forget the night. I shared it with you many times in that old-fashioned revival meeting. I had on a gold coat, black pants. I looked sort of spiffy until I got the altar. I felt so unclean and dirty in the very presence of God. And I said, Lord, if you'll use me. If you'll just use me, I'll make myself available to you. I didn't know what all that entailed, but I appreciate what was said the other day in the, in the sermon. Thank maybe Dr. Gibbs or somebody else. Just project yourself; let God take care of the rest of it. I couldn't orchestrate my life any better than what He's done. I thought I had it all figured out. So when I got to be 18 years of age, I applied for two jobs, for a job at Armco Steel in Ashland, Kentucky. There was two men in the church that dad pastors who were high in, in the position and said, we can get you a job, James, if you've got to pass three tests uh, to go to work for our company. So I went over there to Ashton, Kentucky from Arton, Ohio. I went into Armco Steel, and I sat down and took those tests, and uh, I thought I did pretty well on them. But I found out I passed two and flunked one. I had to pass all three to get a job. That was the rule. That was their guideline. It was a lonely day that day when I hitchhiked home. I didn't have an automobile. I didn't have a car. Dad was, Dad was gone. I didn't have any transportation at that day. I walked across the Ohio River Bridge to the other side from Ashton, Kentucky to Ironson, Ohio. My head was down. I was a lonely, God-forsaken boy is what I felt like. He doesn't really love me. What's, what's wrong with my life? What am I going to do with my life? That's before I went to Louisiana, Kentucky in revival. God already been working on my heart to be a preacher, and I didn't want to do that. And when I yielded myself to God that glorious night, and I knelt down to pray. It was like a light come on. I went from weariness and tired, just tiring in the life as an 18-year-old boy. What's the use? What's, what's my future? What am I going to do? What's, what's in front of me? What's the will of God for my life? But when I surrendered my life, the best way I knew how, it always hadn't been what it ought to be to this day. But I'm glad I surrendered to Him and said, Lord, take my life and let it be completely consecrated to Thee. God can take some young men in this building that may be the most unlikely boy, the unlikely girl in this building, may be the most unlikely person to do something great for God. D.L. Moody didn't have an education, but he touched England and America with both hands and shook them both for God as a layman. Never was an ordained preacher, just a layman for the cause of Christ. But when you mention D.O. Moody's name in religious circles, especially our county, it pops up pretty regularly. Just an uneducated guy who wanted to be a millionaire. He wanted to be wealthy. He wanted to make money until God got a hold of him. You know who won him to the Lord? His Sunday school teacher. His Sunday school teacher. And what a tremendous difference it made when D.O. Moody surrendered his life to God in Chicago, Illinois, and became the great preacher that we know about today. And yet, here we are. He had to find, first of all, a direction in his life then you find where you're going to serve God, what you're going to do for God, what's the position God wants you to have. It may be very, very many times in people's lives. Uh, Some folks have uh, greater abilities than others. We've talked about it. Some have more gifts than others. But everybody in this room has at least one gift, one gift that could be used for God. Most most of you have more than one gift. I've tried to wrestle out of my own life what my gift is. I'm just a leather-lung preacher about all I am, and I'm not doing much of that anymore. As far as leather lung, it's because I get tired quickly. Was, and when I preach, I just get wore out. But you say, well, won't you just sit down and quit? Because I don't want to. I mean, I want to go as long as I can. Then there may come a time when I can't do it at all. And I've been down those routes with many a person uh, where they couldn't do what they used to do. And that's tough. But you do it as long as you can, as best you can. And that doesn't mean you've got to do it all the time. I'm thinking about taking a sabbatical, about, about a year off, and recuperate. Uh, well, maybe six months. How about three months? How about one month? How about one day? Just I can. You know, they told me over and over. The guy said, "Preacher, take care of yourself, rest. You don't have to push yourself." And I understand that. And I'm probably not pushing myself like I used to. But I'm still needed, and realize that my spiritual has got to be renewed. Nancy left the house a while ago, and she had turned off the lights and turned off. The television program, the old cowboy was watching for a while. Uh, Ronald Reagan was playing on it, so I thought it would be great to watch. I mean, he was a young guy back in those days. But I turned it off, and I said, Lord, let me talk to you just a few minutes. Ain't nobody here except me and you, and I sure need you. Some of the sweetest times in all the world is when you're alone with God, and you just tell Him what you think, tell Him how you feel. You, tell, you quote Psalm 6 to Him and remind him of how sometimes the situation gets in David's life. You go to Psalms 13 and say, Lord, how long, how long? We have to go through certain things. And some of you have suffered through many, many things, far more than ever dared to. Some of you have suffered most of your life, and you've been faithful. Just keep on plugging, keep on plugging. You keep on going, you keep on doing. And all of us sort of feel the same way about life. It's so important. It's amazing sometimes just a little talk with Jesus makes it whole, makes it all right. Sometimes just crying out to him, and one thing about pr- praying privately, you can be completely honest with God. You don't have to try to pretense. You ever try to impress God? And you know, sometimes you get saved, you start praying, you try to impress God with your flowery words. And we make up words, oh, great Jehovah Elohim, the great inhabiter of the world. The great God, the great Jehovah Nissa Nissa. The great uh, Salome, God Salome, Jehovah Salome. And we go through all the things that God is. And I'm not saying that's wrong, maybe time to do that. It's sort of like going to the baker, going to the grocery store, and you find the manager and said, Oh, thou great manager of food line, thou who runnest this store and keeps everything going on track, oh, thou who is able to help me, I come to you and asking you for a special. He said, Son, what you need? He said, I need a loaf of bread. Just ask me for the bread, and I'll tell you right where the bread's at. You don't have to fly me up to get the bread. And sometimes we've got to fire God up and press God of who we are. Most of us are not as spiritual as we think we are. If you let the searchlight of heaven come shine on your your heart, some of us are mighty wicked in this room. And some of us have been there when you realize God can still use me. That's when confession time comes. See, God shines on your heart to show you how wicked you are, to help you realize you can't make it without Him. And the old flesh is still there. That old flesh cries out to be satisfied. And you yield yourself to God constantly, yielding yourself, yielding yourself, God, here's my life. Let it be completely consecrated to Thee. And God's able to wash us up, clean us up, and make us fit subjects to serve Him. And I don't think you ought to just go around living in sin all the time. I'm glad if you do stumble and fall, He picks you up. A righteous man may fall seven times, he gets back up again. And so the new domain, here's, here's the new domain. The old domain is yours. It's your direction. You make a decision. You, he can't make that for you. He he lets you make the decision, lets me make the decision. That's the first step, getting a new direction for my life. And then I realize when I get saved, that new dynamo, that power comes to live on the inside of my life. And then it comes down to this new domain. It's yours and his. We walk together, we talk together, we're in the same thing, we're in the same ministry. I'm working for him. He's the Lord God. And it's, it's His ministry as well as my ministry. My ministry is His ministry. His ministry becomes my ministry. Whatever part He wants me to do in the ministry, it's a we thing. I said a while ago, it's a we sermon. Uh, all of us find ourselves sometimes wanting to be lone rangers or we want to be out there by ourselves doing something. Uh, it's a we. You've got to have God's power. You can't do it. You can't preach without God's power and you can't teach without God's power. You can't sow without God's power. And sometimes we're so feeble and frail We just need to realize, God, if you don't do it, it can't be done. And sometimes the most simplest, humblest things that are done uh, have the best fruit that's accomplished just because we took our hands off and said, Lord, here's my life, let it be. Completely surrendered to Thee, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. He surrenders Himself to the Savior. And the Bible says in the context of where I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, He says, before they gave this grace, this means to help the ministry, they first gave themselves. You give yourself to God, God take care of the rest. Somebody says, I have a tr- trouble giving. You get right with God, you won't have any trouble giving. You'll find you'll want to give. You say, I, don't have, I have trouble with this subject called tithing. You get right with God, you'll find tithing is a joy. It's never been a drudgery in my life since Dad taught it to us. We were kids. Now, many years have passed this. My dad would tell us how to tithe and what to tithe, teaching us precept upon precept, line upon line. And the years have come and gone. When I was in college, had bills to pay. I could be spiritual and say, well, God knows I'm training free service. But when I worked, I paid tithe, gave my tithes. And it wasn't really paying tithes. It was giving the tithes and the offerings to the Lord with no strings attached. Sometimes we go through financial crisis at a church and we get down and sometimes the funds are not like they ought to be. Well, somebody probably just quit tithing, or somebody's somebody's dropped off. And I found over years ago, one of the great tests of your life is a barometer of giving. You take a barometer measure, you're doing well. Get saved. What do you do next? You get baptized, go to church, obey God, love God, give of your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. That's as spiritual as getting anything else done in the cause of Christ. And I'm not just preaching on money. I'm just telling you, it is an essential part of your life to teach you to be unselfish. 10% 10% belongs to God right up the front. Just be honest with you, All oh, 100% belongs to God. And he lets me use 90% to take care of the needs of life. And then sometimes you find yourself wanting to give above and beyond what you want to give and you want to give and your heart's there. Lord, I'll give this and I'll do this and I want to do that. You let God lead you along the way and God has a marvelous way of doing that. But the fact is, I've got to yield myself to God. Once you, I, there's some people so tightwad, when they get baptized, you get baptized with their billfold in their pocket. So the baptism takes care of the billfold as well as their life. I mean, that's part of it. Your self controls all the other facets of your life. If I give myself, everything else I have belongs to God. Several years ago, Nancy and I had the privilege of building a new house out on the property Mr. Key. My father-in-law bought some acreage and gave us a piece of land to build a house on. And we had bought a house earlier in town, lived in town for quite a while. It was a big adventure for us. we cleared off the spot to build a house. And out there in the country, I got on my knees one more time. I said, Lord, never had the privilege of doing this. i building my own house. And Lord, it's not my house. So Lord, if you want to come, want to get it built and blow it away, I'll leave it to you. sure would hurt, but it's your house. I give it to you. I've done the same thing with cars. Same with buying a car. It's a new car. It shines. It's shiny. I want to take care of it and get Nancy to wash it regularly and try to take care of it. Let Nancy drive it sometimes to get the, get the soot out. So, so I drive slow now. She drives like a hot rod. She thinks she's 16 years old. 16 years old. Nancy always wanted a red car. I'm going to buy her one before her. die. little red truck because I want to buy her. So she can hot rod down the road. But the fact is, Lord, it's your car. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord take it away. And, you know, if somebody needs to ride to church, don't you think it would be all right if they pick them up? What do you, what do you think? You know, every car could be a bus. Every car can pick up somebody, including mine. Sometimes we don't want to pick up folks. Why? Because it's the inconvenience for us. Get yourself out of the way. And you're just ready to do whatever God wants you to do, whenever, however, and whatever He wants you to do. You belong to the Lord. and I, I've got a long sermon, so I'm just going to cut it off here just when my legs get out. You belong to the Lord. Say it with me, please. You to the Lord. He purchased you. Say it with me. He, you. he has the bill of sale. But you, but you have the body. He has the ownership. He has the ownership. You, have the you have the occupancy. He has the title. Has the title. But you have the, you have the treasure. Several years ago, I did buy a little red truck for the farm back oh, in 70. I know, forgot what it was now, it was a little red pickup. Andrew and I went to get it. Brother Rudolph Outlaw helped me to find it down in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So went down and bought this little truck. Uh, Dotson, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind it was. It was, a, it was a nice little truck. I got it to do a little work around the farm, pick up stuff and so forth, and go to, go to the store and pick up things that may need to cut grass and so forth. Well, Andrew drove it home for me. I drove the other car that we drove down at home, so Andrew drove the truck. I never drove that truck again. Andrew took the truck and he painted it, and made a beautiful truck out of it. I mean, it was beautiful. And I said, Son, that's my truck. And he said, Dad, I know, but I'm trying to take care of it for you. I said, I, said, I understand. And the kind of the day when he wanted to sell it, I paid $1,100 for that truck, and he sold it for 3000 Son, that's my name on the title. It's my truck. It's not your truck. He said, Dad, I can sell it now for $3,000. And so he sold it. I I signed the paper. I signed the bill of sale over to him. But for all those couple of years, I never had a truck. I had the title to the truck, but didn't have the truck. What a joy it was to be able to let him have that money for the years invested in fixing it up taking care of it. And it was a good livelihood for him and a good training for his own life. But I said, I will remind you, son. That was my truck. Don't ever forget it. That was my truck. I wonder if God looks at us sometimes, that's my body, even though your body belongs to the Lord. It's my, I gave it to you. I gave you what you have. I have the title deed to your life. And you're trying to live it the way you want to and do what you want to with your body. The Bible says what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own. Well. Wow. It's a powerful verse of Scripture. Your surrender should be, for he, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that surrender should be current up to date. That surrender should be complete. He has anything he wants to take. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. What did Job lose? Lost his health from the top of his head, the sole of his feet, had what was called, some believe, edomentitis disease. Be that as it will, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I've heard that. And he scraped himself, he was in bulls and terrible pain. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. God gave me health for years, you say, and God may take it away tomorrow. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. And boy, you're healthy as a you know, as a ox. You can pick up about anything and do about what you want to do and then Somehow, on the way it dissipates and leaves. The good Lord giveth, the good Lord taketh away. And one day, that which is given to us to tabernacle in for a lifetime is going to come to an end. And the breath is going to congeal. We're going to switch the flow. And the blood's going to congeal in our veins. And my chin is going to drop on the postless chest. And I'm checking out of this world. I'm going home to glory. And my battle is over. But until then, God can use me as much as possible. And it's not a time to retire, it's a time to refire. I mean that from the standpoint of not to retire from the ministry. You may step down from the ministry you're doing because you can't do it anymore. But you can do what God wants you to do. You can be faithful. I mentioned the other day about Randy Cox. One of the best friends I've ever had has been Randy Cox. Uh, years ago uh, when I was in Bible college Randy Cox came and preached a revival uh, at the Bible college. I got acquainted with him then. We've become dear friends over the years. I had seven men that I have as counselors when I was a young man. Still have seven that I call regularly. When something comes up, I've called Randy Cox on several occasions. I pick his brain. See, if you think you know everything, you're a fool. Right. There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. And sometimes finding somebody you trust, you don't have to do what they say, but it's good to run things by them. So I check with Randy Cox, and we talk and labor together and talk together. And But uh, Randy Cox preached for us, what, two years ago at the couples banquet. preached here at church. He's 90 now, 91, 92 and he did something that his pastor said was very unusual. Randy Cox is a member of Beacon Baptist. Tim Ravens, a pastor. And he said, Randy Cox knocked on his door one night. He said, Pastor, I've got to talk to you. Here's Randy Cox, 90 years of age. And Tim said, well, come in, Brother Cox. Make sure at home. They got some coffee and fellowship to while. And uh, Brother Cox said, I've got to tell you something. I can't go soul winning anymore. Just ain't able to do it no more. I can't go anymore. And Pastor, I want you to forgive me. Because I'd love to be helping you and I can't. Tim Raven said, You talk about something that humbled him down right quick. Here's a man 90 years old saying I gotta quit, don't want to quit, but I can't do it no more. And he felt like he had to confess that to his pastor so he'd know where he wasn't coming on soul winning, because that's what Randy Cox would do. He'd go soul regularly. If you go to Beacon Baptist Church over here where Lynn's sitting, Maybe right there, him and Joanne sat together. That's where he sits, every service. Every Sunday morning, Sunday school class, he's in Sunday school. A.M. service, he's there. P.M. service, he's there. Every revival service, as long as he's got health, he may hobble in, but that's where he's at. And that's the way it ought to be in our life. Give the very best you have. I met you the other night. God gave us our first breath. Don't you think we can give him our last? He gave my first breath. It's the reason I'm alive today, and I trust I can give you my last breath. So your, your surrender should be current, up to date today, not tomorrow, today. Not tomorrow, today. Not after a while. One of these days I'm going to start serving God. I'll tell you what i to do, preacher. I'm going to wait until the kids get grown. It's a full-time job raising kids. It's a full-time job raising kids. It's a full-time job rearing kids. No, no doubt about it. And they do pretty good when they're one or two. Then they have the terrible twos. And the terrible twos turn into the terrible threes. And the, tumble, the fours turn into a nightmare. And five, you really say, Lord, whoever said we should have kids. And then you get teenagers and they uh, test your faith. How many had teenagers in your home? Raise your hand real high. How many of you survived? And you're still here, aren't you? Or hey, well, sometimes you wonder if you'd ever make it with teenagers. And thank God for teenagers who love the Lord, but the, all teenagers have problems. But they're chips off the old block. That's what you've got to realize, who they are. Today, not tomorrow, now, not after a while. Don't eat the apple of your life and then give the Lord the core. I love apples, but I don't want to just give God a core of my life. I, want, I enjoy the best and give the worst to Him. Somebody said, don't eat the meat of your life and give the Lord the bone. He doesn't need leftovers. He needs people really to give whatever they got for the cause of Christ. Take my lips, my speech may be. A little awkward Peter may have said. When Peter was denying the Lord, here's what the Bible says in Matthew 26:73: Thy speech betrayeth thee. Well, Can you imagine your speech telling on you? Peter denied the Lord. His speech caught up with him. But his lips are to be given to the Lord. Can you imagine then when he was filled with the Holy Ghost of God and he yielded everything you had to him and 3,000 folks got saved? A great change came to Peter's life after the day of Pentecost. What is it that we sometimes are keeping for ourselves and trying to hide it from God? Our feet running errands for Jesus. Everywhere, anywhere, everywhere. Before Jesus went, the Bible says Acts 10 38, that He went about doing good. Well, everywhere you go, when you go to work in the morning, you sign in for God's work. You don't have to take t- time from the company, but you also can be there to be a witness for Christ. Let your light so shine before men while you're in the business or outside the business or to shine inside there's a guy in town i won't call his name years ago told me he worked in can Mills, he was a preacher he said when i walk through the gate i leave my religion outside well i said if i walk in the county gate i'm taking religion inside that's where I need it at the worst Amen. and sometimes when a break comes you can always witness somebody somebody sees your life how you react to something happens see if they see you cussing inside you ain't going to help much on the outside If they around you, your religion ought to be on test every day of your life. So wherever you go, it ought to matter. Walk in the path of righteousness. Psalms 56.13 These knees may be meant much in prayer. Muslims put us to shame praying. They pray five times a day. They, They dawn at midday, at middle of the afternoon, just after sunset and nightfall. They pray every day. I've been there. You've seen it on television. I've been through the, some of the Muslim places, have Muslim people, I mean, automatically, they've dropped to their face. In the middle, they carry it with them. They're ready to pray any right on the street, in a car, it not matter. They stop and pray. Now, I know it can't be done all the time, but we ought to realize that we ought to pray some, put us to shame, and they're crying out to a false God. And we're crying out to the living God, the holy God, the great God of heaven. These hands helping others. Others, Lord, let me live for others, that I may live like Thee. A good ministry to head up someday is called Others Ministry. You can't help everybody, but you can help somebody. And we have a, need to have an Others Mentality, an Others Mentality. It's a great poem, a great song. Others, Lord, let me live for others. And even when I kneel to pray, help my prayer to be for others. Others, Lord, let me live for others that I may live like Thee. How important it is that my life can count for God. Bear you one another's burdens with your shoulders. Galatians 6-2, Romans 15, 1 through 3 Open your heart with compassion, sick and sinful. It, people world around you. People need help. Brother B. Gibbs mentioned the doctor who was a multimillionaire if he stayed in the trade. Gave it all up to go to another country to minister help physically as well as spiritually. The great Charles Spurgeon wrote in his diary that Dr. Howard K- Kelly, Dr. Kelly was not like that man. He says, I dedicate myself my time, my capabilities, my ambitions to Thee, O oh Lord. Blessed Lord, sanctify me to thy, to thy use. Give me no worldly success which may not believe me nearer to Thee. However much You bless me, may I get closer to You. I'm glad God can bless me, aren't you? But then get close to God too as well as somebody's poor, like most of us in this room. So it's not a matter of how much money you have, how much money you've got to be to be rich, how much you've got to be poor, how much money don't you have to be poor. Well, the matter is, is your heart right with God? Success can ruin anybody. Again, alluding back to what Brian said in Sunday school today, money, pleasure can take you away from God. It can ruin your life. Nothing wrong with pleasure. All of us ought to enjoy it. I'm glad God gives us pleasure to do and things that we can enjoy. But we need to understand that our life belongs to the Lord. It ought to be current, and I'll close there. It ought to be complete. And may God help us that we're baptized under God's grace tonight. And then thirdly and lastly, in order to be conclusive, yield yourself unto God. Sinner signifies an act taken once and for all like a marriage vow. I give you myself tonight, Lord. I was going to tell a little story, but it takes long to tell it. I'll not do it tonight, but I want to just mention the gist of it. A little boy named Johnny. and His mother was dying and he wanted to do something for his mom before she died. It's a Good story about him sacrificing what little money he had making selling papers. He went and bought his mom some flowers because she didn't have any flowers. She didn't have much, He's a poor lady. And so he bought her some flowers. And he was so excited, he only had just a few pennies. And he asked the proprietor how much money he's going to take. And, and well, these are pretty expensive, son. He, he said, Well, I've only got six pennies and a nickel. And the man looked down and said, six pennies and a nickel, let me see. That's exactly what these flowers call, son, six pennies and a nickel. Because he saw the boy's heart. Little Johnny takes those flowers in his hands. He started running down the street, barefooted, barefooted, running home to see his mama. And when he turned the curve, he ran out in the street, and a car hit him. And when he woke up in the hospital, he was about to die himself, he said, did, did, did you get my flowers? Where's my flowers? Where's my flowers? They said, son, they're knocked right over here. They were down beside your body. And they've got blood on them. He says, those are for my mama. Would you do something for me? The doctor said, I ain't going to make it. Would you take those flowers to my mama and tell her I love her? You talk about a story of sacrificial love. To Take the only six pennies and nickel that he had manufactured through selling papers. Bought some flowers for his mama because she was dying. And he died before she died but He gave the very best He had for the cause of loving His mother. I'm glad you can love your mother, and you ought to, but you ought to love God supremely. No no sacrifice is too great. Here I am, Lord. Here's my life. Take it. Use it. I'm Thine, O Lord, for Thine the kingdom, the glory and forevermore. May Your life count for me and throughout eternity. Let's stand together, please, our are bowed. Thank You for Your kindness. Father, take the softness of my voice, the scriptures that are holy that we read tonight, look past this man and see the master, look past the servant and see the Savior, may tonight Lord we have and all of us have room in our heart for compassion for people, help us to care, help us Lord to be ready to speak a good word for Jesus any time. Help us to be ready to do a good deed anytime we can, not for our own self, pass on the back, but for the glory of God. Lord, sometimes it's difficult to distinguish between pride and humility. Sometimes we say we're doing it for the right reason, it comes across as being sort of, you know, for me. But Lord, whatever you get out of our life, use it for your glory. Help us not to be wrapped up in ourselves. Help us to be wrapped up in the humility of grace. And the lower we go, the higher we'll go with your divine protection. And Lord, you said, humble ourselves with the mighty hand of God, and you'll raise them up. So, God, may that be a reality. Maybe somebody tonight needs to come and pray around the altar. Maybe somebody needs to come get saved, realize that they're sinners, realize God loves them, and Jesus died for them, and they can be saved tonight. Somebody may be backslid away from God, or somebody just wants to come and pray. Lord, teach me, teach me, teach me. Help me, help me, help me, Lord, to be what ought to be. And that yielding process needs to take place all day long. I yield to Thee. Getting ready to make a decision, I yield to Thee. Getting ready to make a purchase, I yield to Thee. Lord, if we could just learn to yield to Thee, our life would be a lot better off than they are tonight. And we'd be farther up the line in dedication to the cause of Christ. Bless. we pray the invitation in Jesus' name and for His sake.